heart's desire today is that the Lord would have his way and that his spirit could guide us and we've come here I've come here to to preach and to fill in for brother Brad but I want the Lord to be glorified I want to worship him he deserves it today so you follow the Lord you won't get in my way at all I want to say good morning to you, and I'm thankful to be here, and uh, I do desire you to pray for me as I bring what the Lord's put on my heart for today. didn't know where I was going to preach this. The Lord been dealing with me on this subject for some time, and I, uh, I began praying, and Brother Brad texted me and said, can you fill in for me? And the Lord just put that two together and said, this is what you're supposed to do. So um, I count this an honor and a privilege to be here at Old Union. This, is, this church has meant so much to me, even though you probably didn't know it, but your, your labors have affected my life in a, in a positive way in the Lord. And I want to thank you this morning for all that you do. It's worthwhile. It's the Lord's work, and I'm thankful that there's laborers here that's willing to do the Lord's work. I'm, I'm going to take a reading this morning in the First Peter, the book of First Peter, in the fourth chapter. While you're turning there, I'd like to uh, to thank you for the prayers for Belize. Um, I've went around and talked about that and told people about what the Lord's doing there and how the Lord sent me there and how I, the Lord had a man and a family there that, that was waiting. And uh, God is so big and His ways are so much higher than our ways. I, I can't comprehend in my mind, how that could happen, but God can do that. Uh, I don't know how much I'll say about, I appreciate this opportunity to preach. I've been going around talking about the mission work, and uh, it's hard to to tell about the mission work and preach at the same time, and I'm back and forth trying, and this morning I, I would like, I was here on the Wednesday night, and I would like this morning, if if the Lord would help me to preach, and and that's how I feel led, and, and if at the end of preaching, if I, I need or you have questions about the Belize, uh, I would be glad to answer that. But I want to first worship the Lord today. Now, talking about Belize, I believe, is glorifying to God when we talk about what He does and how He does it. And it's so much bigger than me. It's, it's God that's done everything that's been done. But... If you're there in the fourth chapter, I just want to read the first verse. It says, For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he that hath suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. The title of the message this morning would be, Arm Yourselves with the Mind of Christ. Arm yourselves with the mind of Christ. The question comes to me, what is, what is the mind? 
and I, I, I believe the mind is a person's disposition or the, their qualities, their character, their attitude, all encompasses the mind. And Jesus was one that, to understand how to arm ourselves with the mind of Christ, we have to know what the mind of Christ is. And this morning, I'd like us to look in uh, Romans 5, in the 6th verse through the 8th. It says, For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet preventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We, we get to see here that, that the mind of Christ, his, his attitude and his disposition and his character was about giving himself for someone else. For someone like me, not, not a good man, but an ungodly person. God gave himself for me. I'm thankful that he did. But in Philippians 2, verse 3, it says, Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Jesus, it, it's hard to understand how, you know, uh, maybe for one of my children I could uh, step in front of a bullet, but w- would you do it for your enemy? That's a hard thing to understand, isn't it? And Jesus, is, his, his attitude, his character, his mindset was, was always humble and meek and lowly and selfless. He's the greatest role model that we have. We have lots of characters in the Bible that have done wonderful things and have been obedient to the Lord, but Jesus is at the top. And he's the one that that sets the example for us. So uh, how, how did Jesus, you know, this is about how he acted, but I ask the question, how, how did he react? And that matters, doesn't it? In our walk with the Lord, it's not just about how we act, it's about how we react. Sometimes our reactions can be as bad as the person that's, that's uh, persecuting us or that we're suffering from, but in Isaiah 53 and 7, it says, He was oppressed and he was afflicted, and yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before his shears is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. We know that Jesus, when he went to the cross and he went through all of the mockings and the, the, the mock trials and all these things, he didn't defend himself. He, he was 
you know, he could have called 12 legions of angels and, came, and they could have come and just rescued him, but he didn't. He gave himself, didn't he? And so Jesus is the only one that we say suffered unfairly, unjustly. When, when my kids was growing up, one of the things that I would not allow them to say is, I don't want to hear it's unfair. You live a life with that kind of mindset that everything's unfair and I don't deserve this. You'll be the most miserable person in the world. But you got to understand that Jesus is the only one that suffered unfairly. My sufferings and the things that we go through and any of you that go through the things of this life, friends, if you're saved today, you got more than you deserve. I got saved when I was 11 years old, and, and God uh, gave me eternal life that day. And he ain't never taking it back, and he ain't going to. And so he, he gave me that gift. And so no matter what my journey is in this life, no matter what we go through, I still, I'm, I'm better off than those that are not saved. Because of what Jesus did for me. But as we... Jesus was without sin. He lived on this uh, earth without sin and, and he suffered. But I want you to recognize this, that every one of us, the Bible says, will suffer, we will suffer persecution. In, in 2 Timothy 3.12 it says, Yea... And all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. He said all. If, if you're going to live godly and you're going to be obedient in, to his commandments and to, to his spirit that once you have the indwelling spirit of God, you can go and follow the Lord in your life and he will illuminate your path. And if you'll acknowledge him in all ways, he will, he will illuminate your path. And it's sometimes it's one step at a time, isn't it? I didn't understand when the Lord tells me something, what is going to happen. He doesn't, that's what faith, I take a step out on faith and then the Lord opens the door and we see the next step. And But every one of us is going to suffer persecution if you want to live godly. That's what the Bible says. What, what is, I ask the, the question, what is persecution? And this is, uh, this is a, uh, in my studies, I come across this and I wanted to share it with you this morning. Adam Clark is, was a, he had a commentary and I, I found this, uh, definition of persecution, and I thought it was really good, but persecution is subjecting a person to injury or disadvantage on the account of his opinions. Injury could be to his feelings, his family, his reputation, his property, his liberty, his influence. It could subject him to fines, imprisonment, torture, or death. There, there's many different forms of persecution, isn't there? In the days that we live in, we haven't seen much uh, imprisonment or torture or death. But friends, our history is full of it. Of martyrs, of people that has given their lives to stand for the truths 
and the freedom that we have here. Even in the beginning of the country in the United States, men were pulled from the pulpit and beaten and got back up and went back in the pulpit and preached the gospel. They, they went and put them in jail and they preached through the bars of the prison. Many people got saved. That was in this country. We have, we have lived in a time that I believe is like no other in history as far as the church having safety and security as far as physical persecution. But those days might change. And certainly all of us have, have uh, been persecuted for what we believe at one time or another. And the Bible tells us in First, Tim, or First Peter 4 and 12, in the same scripture I read in the first verse, I want to go to the 12th verse, it says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. Don't we, if we're persecuted today, we, we've lived such lives of, of luxury and, and we have lived our lives with really little persecution as far as, like I said, physical torture or they're not, they're not coming here telling us we can't uh, worship the Lord today. And if you do, we're going to put you in jail. We, we haven't suffered that, but... Sometimes I think we have the wrong uh, mindset of what to expect. We have unreasonable expectations of our lives. We sit and think that we're not going to go through these kind of things or we're not. uh, But this is, don't think it's strange. And we do sometimes, don't we? It's kind of strange. I don't deserve to be treated that way. Or it's unfair. My life's unfair. Why? Why do I have to do this when others seems like it's so easy, doesn't it? It seems like that the, pro, the, the evil prospers and that God's people many times are, are struggling. And, but the Bible here says, think it not strange of the fiery trials. See, if we arm ourselves with the mind of Christ, we can expect... We can expect that things are going to go that way. And then we can be ready when they do go that way, that we can react in a way if we arm ourselves with this mind of Christ and we think it not strange, but we expect these things to happen. Do you expect these things to happen or do you, do you live a life expecting that everything's going to be, listen, to, uh, and I'm going to get to this in a little bit, but Maybe the Lord wants me to tell you about it now, but the Bible talks about those that suppose that gain is godliness. We live in a nation that we've been taught and trained that gain is godliness, that the more possessions you get, you must be a successful person, which the truth is, is that most of the people in our nation have a lot of things, but they have a lot of debt. They owe a lot for those things. They've got a loan on their house and their cars and their clothes and their credit cards has bought the furniture and it's, and they're just living day week by week trying to pay that debt. And, but the Bible says that, that godliness with contentment is great gain. 
See, it's not about having what you want. It's about wanting what you have. Can you be content with what you have? Or are you going out there? Are you just, are, are, are you just hungry all the time trying to feed this? It's a sinkhole. Friends, listen, a lot of Americans are just living in a sinkhole. They just keep filling themselves up with things and they just keep sinking and they just need more and more and they're just not content. They're not happy. They just don't know how to find, you know, this American dream has been taught to us that, that, you know, you're going to find happiness by having money and jobs and toys and recreation and boats and all these things. And the, the kids are being taught that if you get all these clothes and get the brand names and you get the Nike shoes and you get all of this stuff, that you're going to, uh, you know, you're, people are going to look up to you and you're going to have, listen, there's so many people that are crashing in our country mentally and physically because They live this life with this mindset, and many of God's people are even succumbing to this this attitude and this mindset. And and the Bible's telling us here, arm yourselves with the mind of Christ. Be ready to suffer. Listen, if you was going to join the Lord's church, and part of it was is you need to, uh, we tell them when they come to join the church, you know, uh, if you put your light on the candlestick, you know that... You might be tortured. You might be imprisoned. You might have to die for this cause. Do you still want to join? That's really the truth, isn't it? We don't know what the future holds. We know what the past. We look at history and we know that from the history, things are going that way. Are you ready? What's your mindset? Listen, as Americans, anything that upsets our daily routine is is what we call stress, isn't it? I'm stressed out because things just didn't go the way I planned them. While we get stressed out, I got up this morning and I thought, I don't know if I can get enough toothpaste out of that toothpaste roll. And it's like, well, I'm stressed out. I got to brush my teeth. Friends, the simplest things, it seems like that we, we call suffering here in our day, don't we? It's stressful. But the Bible teaches us, you know, if you arm yourselves, if you humble yourselves, if, listen, someone, you know that anger is a defense mechanism? When someone starts saying something hurtful to you and you get your, you get, and it'll, it'll, it'll get you angry. But you know, if you're humble and someone says you're a dirty, rotten scoundrel, you can say, you're right, I am. Does it have to, the reaction does not have to be anger. What, how are we supposed to react to persecution? In this same chapter, fourth chapter, 13, first says, but rejoice in as much as ye are partakers of Christ's suffering, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye, for the spirit and glory of God resteth upon you. On their part, he is evil spoken of, but on your part, he is glorified. Are you willing to take persecution and react with the mind of Christ like Christ did? The, the apostles in, in, in the fifth chapter of the book of Acts, the apostles was beaten. They were told not to preach Jesus. They beat them and sent them out and said, don't preach Jesus. And they went out and you know what they said? Here's what they said. He said, It says, and 
To him they agreed, and when they had called the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus, and they let him go. And they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Listen, we can rejoice in suffering for the name of Christ. That's hard for us to imagine, isn't it? What about Paul and Silas? Paul and Silas was in jail. And at midnight, what were they doing? Do you know what we would be doing? And I'm just telling you, this is my attitude. And if this is for no one, this message is for no one else, it's for me. I would be sitting there feeling sorry for myself and saying, I'm, that's not fair they put me in here. And, and I don't deserve to be treated this way. Wouldn't that be the mind many times of the flesh always is, but Paul and Silas, see, they found it as an opportunity. You see how they changed this thing that was unfair. Instead of saying this is unfair and having that kind of mindset, their mind was like the mind of Christ. They were happy to suffer for the cause of Christ and they were singing and praying at midnight in the prison. And you know what it said? It said, and the, the prisoners heard them. They were witnessing to these prisoners while they were in the jail. And then the earthquake came and the jail opened up and they got a chance to preach the gospel. They turned this thing that seemed like, oh, poor Paul and Silas into what a blessing God placed them there. It was all in the providence of God that they had the, the, it was available to them. And they used that opportunity and that persecution they were suffering became an opportunity to preach the gospel, and people got saved. Listen, our attitude in persecution and arming ourselves with this mind of Christ, suffering with him and rejoicing that we were counted worthy to suffer in his name. Friends, listen, as I've been in Belize, uh, there's lots of rumors that goes around. As a missionary, you uh, you just better get used to that because when you uh, go on the mission field, everybody's looking at you. Many with critical eyes, and and the and in Belize, they're uh, very upset. Many of the organizations, and they're calling me now a, a sheep stealer. And I've told them that goats don't belong in a sheep house. I mean. Sheep don't belong in a goat house. Sorry, got that turned around. But they're still, they're going out, they're telling rumors, and they're saying things about Brother Lewis and Sister Honorina and many of our other members that have joined the mission are being talked about in the community, and it's, it's become a struggle. That's persecution. That's suffering for Christ. And friends, pray for us that we can have this mind that Jesus had, the mind that the apostles had, the mind that Paul and Silas had, that, that they just counted, that they just rejoice, that they're counted worthy to suffer for the name of Jesus that died for my sins and gave it all on the cross. Friends, no matter what, uh, this life isn't about having fun. This life isn't about possessions. This life isn't about, uh, you know, having a, a good job and a retirement and all these, which these aren't bad things. But friends, if Jesus, uh, if, if at the, uh, if all of these things cause you, uh, to be deterred from worshiping and making God first and, 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 
being in the will of God. Friends, discard them. Be better off not to have them. And you know, I, I'm of the opinion that from what I've experienced in Belize and on other mission fields that that many times as Americans, we don't recognize how much these things stand in our way and hinder us from the Lord's work. We, I hear it met with when you talk about, you know, the root... Uh, the love of money is the root of all manner of evil. And you'll be, when you say that and use that scripture, many times I find people saying, yeah, but you can be rich and still, if, if you can, as long as you don't depend on that. I hear people, they, they, they throw that at me every time you use that scripture. It's like, you know, it really won't hurt you to be rich. Some people can handle being rich. Abraham was a rich man. Abraham also lived in a tent. God knows whether it's hindering us or not. The, the world out there and the evangelism in the world and the religion in the, in, in the United States has become this, that gain is godliness, that if you give to the Lord and if you do right, uh, then you'll, your life is just going to be so full of, of money and, and, and health and wealth and all these things. That's a lie. But it, it's planted in the minds of our young people. It's planted in the minds of us through the, the culture that we live in is that we think that this is, we're somehow, listen, Phariseeism is alive and well. The attitude that I'm better than someone else or, or that I got where I'm at because I worked hard for it. I'm not like these other people are, like these liberals. Listen, friends, we're not going to reach anybody with the gospel with that kind of an attitude. When, when you arm yourselves with the mind of Christ, friends, and, and humility, you're clothed with humility and you have the bowels of mercy. And friends, you, if that's what your life is about, that's how you treat people, including your enemies. Jesus said, love your enemies and, and pray for them to despitefully use you. Friends, Jesus set the perfect example. Can you do that? That's very hard, isn't it? Did you know that Jesus died for Judas? Think about that. I'll just be honest with you. In the flesh, Judas dipping in that bread into that sauce with the Lord, and the Lord said, and the Lord sitting there knowing that this man was going to sell him out. Why well, would have just wanted to punch him in the nose right there? That, that's just the, the human side of me, wouldn't you? My friends, that's not what God's side is. Not, that's not the mind of Christ, is it? He tells us they, they beat you, turn the other cheek, let them beat the other side. I mean, the scriptures are clear of how Jesus would act and not only act, but how would he react. You know, you can stand for the right thing, but in the wrong way. It might be a good thing you're standing for, but if you're not standing, in, standing for it in God's way, I don't believe God's pleased with it. I've caught myself different times in my life with my attitude and with my mindset 
that I was angry with someone or, or a people or things going on, laws in America. But my attitude would determine whether I would reach, if I could reach people or not. The, the Bible tells us to, to do good to our enemies and heap coals of fire on their head. I learned this lesson one time when I was working. I was a sheet metal worker in Indiana working for a mechanical contractor, and I was just in my apprenticeship. And I went to this. It was a school we were renovating, and there was about 20 of us with the company working on this project. And every day at lunchtime, we would go out, and we would sit out on the sidewalk and get fresh air and sit and eat our lunches. And I was sitting there, and... This man had just got hired with the company. He was probably in his early 60s. And all the, the, all the people that worked with me knew that I was a preacher, and a lot of them would call me preacher. And this man heard them calling me preacher and began to inquire what kind of preacher I was, and I told him. And he said, I don't like preachers. I said, that's okay. And I didn't say much more. Well, for the next six months, this man would come to lunch every day telling jokes about preachers, talking bad about me, talking bad about Christianity every day. And I told my wife, I said, I don't even want to go to work. I mean, it was just hard to go to work knowing this guy. And I, I, didn't, I didn't never react. I never responded. I just, they, all, the, all of them would laugh and they'd look at him and Boy, he's getting hard on you, preacher. And I just let it go. One day I was uh, walking down a hallway in the school and this man was on a lift up in the air trying to put a piece of ductwork together and he was really struggling with it. And I seen him as I was coming down the hallway. He was just fighting it and he was getting angry. And, and I had my tool belt on and I had a special tool that I had made that would be able to bring that duct together and the Lord just spoke to my heart and said, offer him that tool, help him out. And the flesh me said, I, I'm kind of glad it's hard on him to do that. I just walk right on by and snicker is what the flesh wanted to do. But the Lord said different. I reached down and pulled that tool out. I said, I said, sir, I said, this tool here I made, I said, you can stick it on there and hammer it and it'll draw that together. And he kind of looked like, whether I was, this was a joke or if I was trying to, and, real, and he reached down and he said, thank you. And I watched him and I said, you can just give it back later. I don't need it right now. And I went on. Later on, he brought it back. He said, that worked really good. I used it all day. Can you make me one? I said, yeah. So I did. He kind of slacked off at lunch. He didn't say much bad things about me that day. And the next day, it was the same way. He didn't say nothing. Well, on Friday of that week, he got laid off. And he, he, uh, he left there. I never talked to him when he left or anything. I just heard that he got laid off and he disappeared from the job. Come Monday night, Monday evening, my dad worked for another mechanical contractor in the state of Indiana and was running a project, a, a large project, for Lily's Pharmaceuticals. 
And this man that left and got laid off there out of anywhere he could have gone, he had to show up Monday morning. He got hired by the company, my dad, and on the job, my dad was running. My dad called me Monday evening, and he said, what happened between you and this man? And I began to tell him. He said, he come up to my trailer, and he knew that I was your dad. He said he dropped his tool bucket and began crying. We went into the trailer and began talking with one another, and he said, I have done your son very wrong. And my dad said, well, it's okay. And they began talking about the Lord. This man shared that he was bitter and angry because his wife had passed away. And that was when he turned hard against religion and against God. And he was just, dad got a great opportunity to talk to him about the Lord and tell him about, told his testimony of being saved. But you see, God, ain't it amazing how God can work things out? Listen, don't, don't give in to this flesh. Do, do good to them that, you know, heap coals of fire on their head is what the scripture says. And friends, God is so much bigger than us. If we just trust him, friends, how many people, look at the number of people here today. If every one of us just had that uh, attitude about us, I'm telling you what, the attitude that Jesus had was attractive, even if the person that was persecuting doesn't ever change, the people, your reaction to that when people look on can be a great witness. And you know who you're witnessing? Jesus. I don't know about you, but he gave me a, he is the light. And I'm a, he, he expects me to reflect that light. He put that light in my soul. Every one of you here today is equipped with everything you need to have the mind of Christ. The indwelling Spirit of God will lead us into all righteousness, but the battle and the warfare is in your mind. What the Lord's telling you to do comes out of your heart and His Spirit, but it's got to be reconciled in the mind, and when He gets to the mind, you have a choice. You can either follow after the lust of this flesh, or you can... Walk in the Spirit. If you walk in the Spirit, you'll not fulfill the lusts of the flesh, what the Scripture says. Friends, if we can just change our attitudes, if God, let God change our attitudes where that it can, we can be attractive to other people. I'm telling you, getting on social media and telling people how wrong they are, I don't think we're going to reach many of them. But I think if you go and you, you take one person in your life, and, and go there and ask God to help you influence them. Just one person in the next year, what would this church look like? In just a year, one person. And then I ask the question, how many people have you influenced in the last year? And then ask yourself the question, I have asked myself the question, how many and why? We have to make sure that we're not suffering. Listen, there's different reasons for suffering. If you act godly, you're going to suffer persecution. But another reason for suffering is, is that there's sin in your life. And if you're one of God's children, expect to be chastised. The Bible speaks clearly on this. Hebrews 12 and 7, if ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom a father chasteneth not? 
Listen, don't be suffering. If you're suffering because of sin, you need to repent. And I know when that is. I'm not one. I don't believe you could go to say, hey, I believe that person's going through hard times because their life is a mess and they're sinning. That's between them and God. And I think we all leave it there. But in counsel, if someone came to me and they're uh, committing adultery or they're in drunkenness, I'm going to tell them if they're saved child of God, hey, I've been on the end that God has chastised me. And I believe a person knows when you're being chastised or whether you're suffering for his name. And that's what it said in in the book of 1 Peter. If you go on down, it says, uh, but let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief or as an evildoer or as a busybody in other man's matters. But if you suffer as a Christian, let him be not ashamed. And so... I believe that our attitude, our mindset, our, our character, God has, has impressed his image in our heart. His character to be humble, to be meek and lowly, to love our enemies. I believe God's equipped us with his Holy Spirit that can help us do that. But we know we got this flesh that's contrary And we struggle with that. I I don't know about you every day. The Apostle Paul said, when I would do good, evil's with me. He said, I find no good thing in this flesh. Friends, I don't either. This flesh is always contrary. And you got a choice to make. Every every day, every minute of the day, are you going to follow the Lord or are you going to follow the flesh? And this warfare, the the, the flesh and the spirit are contrary to one another. The, The carnal mind is an enemy against God. We live in these bodies, but friends, God's holy and dwelling Holy Spirit can lead us and guide us. Ask yourself the question. Listen, when you're making decisions in your life, I believe you ought to ask this question. Is this taking me closer to God or further away? You know, I see people, you know, I got a big opportunity at work. They're offering me a big raise and, and benefits and man, but I have to move to another state. But you know that other state don't have a church. But boy, I, Satan presents us with a lot of dilemmas, doesn't he? And I believe you I answer the questions of your life as you're guided by the Lord. Lord, is this taking me closer to you or further away? Ha- having more money and things might be hurtful to your walk with Christ. I don't know what you can handle. I know what I can handle. The, the Apostle Paul, I want to touch on this quickly, but the Apostle Paul, you know, he had a, a thorn in the flesh. He asked the Lord to take it from him. Some people have physical, uh, bodily, uh, medical conditions that make it very difficult sometimes. But you know, God can use through that your reaction to that and how you... I've seen some people that's inspired me that had trouble in the body but just would not give up, had a a spirit and attitude that was positive, that was loving, that was humble, that was meek, even though they were going through severe pain and trouble in their body. Friends, that's a witness to other people. That's what Christ did, wasn't it? He suffered in the body, and so did these disciples. 
Should we forgive our enemies? Well, here's what the scripture says. You know, there's, there's terms of forgiveness. The Bible says in seven, Luke 17 and 3, it says, Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. Wait a minute. Let me read this again. Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, forgive him. Is that what it says? That's what the world reads it. They leave out the two parts. It says, rebuke, rebuke him, and if you repent, forgive him. How many times will we forgive him? If he repents seven times in a day and seven times a day turn again, saying, I repent, forgive him. But repentance is important, isn't it? Listen, a lot of people say, just forgive him. No, Jesus don't just forgive him. There's, there's a difference in love and forgiveness. Jesus loves every person that's in the devil's hell today. He gave himself for them and he, he loved them. But he's not, he didn't forgive them because they wouldn't repent. Without repentance, there can't be forgiveness. So what do we do with someone that uses us and dis, despitefully uh, hurts us or hurts our feelings or talks bad about us or, or does us wrong? How do we... How do we react to that? We don't just forgive them if they don't repent. But I believe this is what we do. The Bible says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. Give it to the Lord. The Lord knows all about it. You know, I go around talking about everybody, telling everybody, you know, how unfair it was. But friends, the Apostle Paul, I believe, gave us a an example of this in Second Timothy four fourteen, Alex, he said, "Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works." The Apostle Paul was done wrong by this man. Said he did him much evil. He said, "Let the Lord reward him. He'd give it to the Lord." You know that's how we can keep from having bitterness in our hearts. Let the Lord have it. God knows all about them, and, and God will repay. Nobody's getting away with anything. Did you know that? You're not going to get away with it. You'll be held to account. If we equip ourselves with this mind that, that we see in the Scriptures, I believe we can find contentment. The, the, the Apostle Paul, he said this. He said, I know... Or not that I speak in respect, this Philippians 4, 11, not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. The Apostle Paul was a person, you understand his life, he was shipwrecked. He was beaten. He, he was taken and put in prison. He had the opportunity to not go to, to Rome to go to prison. And he chose to go there because that's where God wanted him to witness and to preach the gospel was in Rome. And that's where he went. And you might say, oh, that poor guy, he, he had a terrible life. I believe Apostle Paul had contentment. He said, I find whatever state I'm in therewith to be content. That means the good days and the bad days, friends. It means if the toothpaste runs out, it's okay. 
Can you stand back with the mind of Christ? Listen, how much would, how different would we all look if we could just get a hold of this and have this mindset that was in Christ that was shown by the apostles and the, the apostle Paul in his life? He said, I find whatever state I'm in therewith to be content. The Bible tells us that with food and raiment, be with, with food and raiment, let us therewith be content. Food and raiment. Raiment, I studied on this a while back, but raiment can mean clothes as well as a roof over your head, a covering in the Greek word. And so they're saying with a roof over your head and clothes and food, could you be content? Can you be happy? We've been taught in America that you're going to get happier the more things you get. And I'm telling you, that's not true. Matter of fact, there's some people that's gotten uh, achieved and attained a lot of things, a lot of wealth, and I found them to be miserable people. You say, what? In America, if you get rich and you become miserable? I met a man one time come to work. I was, we was working building the Vanderbilt Children's Hospital, and this man came to work. They told me I had a new uh, employee that was going to be coming. This man came. He was in his 60s. And he come getting out of a limousine with overalls on and a hard hat and a lunchbox. And he come in. Well, I come to find out he's a very interesting person. He, he owned the Stockyard Restaurant down in Nashville, was part owner, and was a very wealthy man. And he come on that job, and I began to talk to him about the Lord. And I found out that he, uh, he was very wealthy. And I said, what are you doing out here? He said, well, I started an apprenticeship back when I was a young man and then quit and got out of it. And he said, I just wanted to come to work because nobody here knows that I'm rich. And he said, I got a yacht down in Florida and I could fill it up with people by nine o'clock tomorrow morning. But I don't know how many people are there because I have money or whether they're there because they're really my friends. He said, I hear on this construction site, everybody just uh, knows me as another worker and I can really make friendships. And he began to ask me questions. He said, is it true that it's easier for the camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to, in, to, to inherit the kingdom of God? And I said, yes. And he said, so do I not have any hope of being saved? And I said, no, you got to read the rest of that. It's impossible with men, but nothing's impossible with God. But you're going to have to humble yourself down and call on the Lord. And he would have tears run down his face. We talk about it often at work. And, and he, he said, I just can't let go. I said, he's like that rich young ruler that the Lord knew his riches was standing in his way. And he told him, go sell everything you have. And I talked to him about that. And he said, I can't let go of it. Then you'll never be saved. See, you got to surrender it all to be saved. And when every one of us here today, when we got saved, we had to surrender everything. And that's when the Lord saved me. And listen, don't we try to take it back as we live life? Like, Lord, I, I only need you, but can I have this too and that too? And, and we take it back. And then before we know it, we're depending on our security. Friends, if a tornado come and took everything you had today, would you be content? Listen, don't root in here in this life. This, this is, we're just passing through. We're strangers and pilgrims, or we're supposed to be. 
We're looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. We're putting up treasures in heaven. It's not about how much we can obtain here. And, and like the sister said, I noticed obituary said, oh, he worked 40 years for this company and he did all these things like that. And nothing about God, nothing about being saved. And oh, how sad it would be to leave this world without Jesus. And friends, you just, uh, you're not going to take any of it with you. You can leave it here for your kids to argue over if you want. But friends, you won't take any of it with you. None of this is going to matter. They're all temporal things. They're all going to burn up. They're going away. But friends, the one eternal thing that I've got is what Jesus did for me the day that he saved me. And friends, he picked me up and he planted my feet on the solid rock. And he established my goings. And friends, he's made... uh, away from me that I have eternal life. I'm going to live forever. And I don't know about you, but in my father's house are many mansions and I'm going to live with him. Uh, Friends, he's going to come and get me. He's going to come get his children. He's going to get his church. And friends, he's going to, uh, we're going to meet him in the air. Comfort one another with these words is what it said in second Thessalonians. Friends, God is great and he's still in control. He He's bigger than you can ever imagine. And God, he can use your life to be a, a reflector of that light. And friends, if we get our reflectors, our, our magnifying glasses uh, in line with the S-O-N, friends, uh, then uh, there can be a fire kindled in Zion. And I don't know about you, we need that. Too long have we laid down and said, oh, I'm feeling sorry for myself. We live in this world. It's so troubled and there's just nothing we can do. And we're just going to hunt up and and down the side of the river waiting for the Lord to come back and get me. Friends, God doesn't want us to have that attitude. Uh, When we see the darkness of the world, how much brighter the light shines. Uh, Friends, the world needs the light. And it's God's people that need to take it. Uh, the Lord's church to take this good news out there to people uh, that are so confused and their uh, their ways are perverted. Uh, but God, uh, God can change them. I believe it with all my heart. And he can use you. I'm talking to every one of you that's saved here this morning. He can use you. He wants to use you. To influence other people. Don't just live your life to yourself. Listen, it's more blessed to give than receive. Have you learned that lesson? Giving of yourself and not, not doing what you want to do. Not fulfilling your desires, but fulfilling God's desires for you. Friends, there's contentment in that. Godliness with contentment is great gain. You can lay your head on your pillow no matter what's going on around you. You get in the will of the Lord. Listen, I've never found a, a better comfortable place than in the middle, in the center of God's will. Close my eyes at night and feel good. If I don't wake up, I know where I'm going. I can suffer persecution. I can hear the rumors about what people saying about me, awful things. And I say, the Lord's got this. Lord, help me love them. Despite... And I'm telling you what, I'm seeing the Lord work. I just keep telling the members of the mission there, let's just keep loving them. Let's just keep praying for them. Let's just ask God to open opportunity to do good to them. And we see God work through that. 
young man in the village has been saying part of part of one of them that's been sending rumors around about me. We was there in Belize and had Dr. Collins with us doing a medical clinic. And on the way home from from revival service at night from the village back to my house, we met a young man in the road that wrecked his motorcycle. His head was split open. He was bleeding. He was unconscious. Dr. Mike and and Miss Jen, the nurse practitioner that came down for the clinic, they got out and was trying to help him and stop the bleeding and support his neck So, because we didn't know what condition he was in. He finally come awake. I got to look at him. It was dark and blood on his face. I couldn't tell, but I got to look and it was that young man that had been talking about me. I got down and I he, he become aware and I said, Denisio, it's Pastor Monty here. I want you to know I'm praying for you. And it'll be okay. Just just take it easy because he, he woke up and started trying to fight the doctors. And that man had not been letting his, his, he lives with a girl. And that girl has two children. They've been attending our services regularly. And he had, he had recently forbade them to come to our services anymore. And so I'd went and seen her that, that very week. And she said, Denisio, don't want me bringing the kids and coming anymore. Well, after we had that reaction with him there and found him on the motorcycle, anybody could have drove by and found him. But God let us find him and let us work on him. And the doctors helped him. And the next night, his wife and children were at service. He's never set foot in our service. But as the preaching was going on, I looked, and on the outside, he was standing looking in, out in the dark. I'm telling you, God works. You pray for that young man. He listened. He stood out there. His girlfriend, I seen her during service. She went outside, come back in, and after service, she shared with me. She said, did you see Denisio out there? And I said, yes. And she said, I went out to invite him to come in, and he said he didn't want to come in. I don't care if he comes in. God can save him out there in the dark. But you pray for him. Pray for us that we can get an attitude about us. That's, and it's hard. And I know it is. It is for you too, isn't it? It's hard not to react in the wrong way. It's hard not to get angry. It's hard not to want to revenge or at least or, or rejoice in seeing something bad happen to them. That, that's how we are, isn't it? Today we live in a world that it's all in your face type of, you know, we had the, the shock jocks in the 80s that started on the radio just saying anything and everything, pushing the limits. And now today it's just everywhere. This, this vile attitude of, competition and it's us against them and friends Jesus wants us to present our ways ourselves as Christ-like pray for me I'll pray for you I told brother I'm I'm done and I thank you for hearing me I hope it could be in help to someone but 
if no one else, pray for me that this message will, and as I studied this and God fed me with this, that I can do what the Lord would have me to do. Brother, I don't know how long, you don't have clocks here, Brother uh, Wheeler told me that I could preach as long as I wanted. And I said, I guess that's why you move your services back to 1030 to give preachers still time and still get you out at lunchtime. I hope I didn't take too much time. Uh, Really counted a privilege to be here and be able to preach here at Old Union today. And we love the church here. We're we're asking God to help you. Um, Just keep going. The, The fight's worth it. I know many of you have got to be tired because I've watched you. I, as Brother Wheeler said, I've been around here more than I have in all the years of my life in the last couple months between the minister school and the, the auction and the, uh, being here on Wednesday night. But I get to see there's people that are workers, and God will bless that. It, it's worth it. People are watching. Our young people are watching you. Set the example that would be godly to them. God bless you. Turn it over, brother.